0: to streaming into the void where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending april 9th 2022 this week we eulogize warner brothers i'm kim hollis celebrating the return of baseball albert Pujols, and all that is good and right in the world though of course i couldn't watch opening day on mlb tv for some reason
1: you, you totally live in the st louis market right No. Right.
2: Oh, oh, you you don't. What? No. (laughs) We can get there in like three hours on a plane.
0: (laughs) Anyway, Tim Brighty, writer, gamer, and still not bionic. So I go to the hospital, get taken
1: into the operating room, and I still don't have any fancy new limbs or even a superpower. So lame.
0: Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride and Entertainment Media Analyst, who thinks someone who has played Halo probably should have done the Halo TV series.
2: Whoever has done this is making me think that maybe I've given Michael Bay a bad rap all these years. (laughs)
0: And the podcast is produced and edited by Raúl Buriel, who's got nothing to
3: do—absolutely nothing. Are any Hollywood studios looking for a CEO? I really can't do any worse than the last guy. I'll, I'll even take half his salary—a tenth. It'll still be—it'll still be tens of millions of dollars for like three months' work. It'll be—it'll be a great ride.
1: Has it occurred to anyone that most of these guys don't know what they're doing?
0: Clearly not. In our deep dive this week, it's time for the purge as Discovery closed their merger with Warner Brothers and several high ranking and high profile executives made their way for the door. Raul, who's leaving and who's staying?
3: So, the most high profile departure was the one everyone saw coming as Jason Kylar is now officially gone. He's making noises about how it was his decision. But really, the writing was on the wall. He was also the hatchet man who was tasked with showing CNN's Jeff Zucker the door after the scandal at the news network. Kyler clearly had no qualms about taking that bullet. It was clear he was going to be the fall guy all along. He fired Jeff Zucker. He took all the heat, but whatever. He wasn't going to have a job for much longer anyway. Also gone is Anne Sarnoff, who's the head of the Warner Brothers Studios. She was a powerful force in the Hollywood movie industry. Whether she was shown the door or doesn't really want to be associated with the storm to come is not entirely clear yet, but I bet she's probably going to end up uh, on her feet somewhere else. And uh, lastly is HBO Max chief Andy Forsall. He's gone. He was a top lieutenant of Jason Kylar. I feel it's clear at this point that anyone associated with Kyler won't be long for this company, but that's just as well wherever Kyler ends up, they'll probably have a job waiting for them there. So it's all about where Kyler goes now because he's probably going to have some really good people following him to wherever his new job is.
2: Yeah. The thing we should keep in mind here is that all of Kyler's people, are in demand in this industry because they have proven they can do this job. Whereas you're never going to find anybody who goes, oh, that's right. I was a lieutenant for David Zaslav because that's where we're at. We have an absolute yes man, a Smithers at the top of the food chain now of a company. And I was joking about this before the podcast, but it's the honest to God truth. You will be hard pressed to find anyone. And I mean, anyone who's like, it is a great idea that these two parties are merging. I see nothing but bright, sunshiny days ahead. No one thinks that. They have just torpedoed a really good product with HBO Max and with Warner Brothers by bringing in somebody who doesn't understand storytelling, which is why if you look at... Every exit interview Jason Kylar does, he beats people over the head with the fact that they should focus on storytelling. And where did I hear that recently? Oh, right. Bob Iger was just doing an interview with Chris Wallace. And he said, well, the thing about Disney is we always prioritize storytelling. Discovery is going to go another way. They're going to do all kinds of cheap, 90-day home makeover-type shows, and they think that that's going to build enough of an audience that they can monetize it, I guess, through all kinds of Home Depot tie-ins rather than actually making stories that people will care about. This is a debacle waiting to happen, and, oh, I've got my popcorn, and I am ready. And the thing I think we would all agree on is that Jason Collar says he was first over the wall on this, and he was, and he was right, and he's gotten fired for it. Oof. Looking at uh, David Zaslov's
3: resume, this is David Zaslov, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery now. You'd be surprised to think that this is the guy who is now in charge of Warner Brothers. He just doesn't have a lot of uh, Hollywood experience. So you're thinking, David, that really he's just a yes man in front of John Malone?
2: Right. This is John Malone. All of this is John Malone, and Zaslov can sit in his office, and he can take the most ridiculous photographs he wants to make him seem, oh, so aristocratic and impressive, but we all see him for what he is. The emperor has no clothes, and this is not an ideas person, and you cannot have someone running a company this size who is not an ideas person. It's going to be a disaster.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, what's fascinating to me is how this new Warner Brothers Discovery Company will be split up going forward. The layers of management are going to be very thin and it almost all goes like right up to David Zaslav. If you look at the structure, the streaming and network uh, vertical is going to be split up into three categories, which are the HBO, HBO Max category, the Discovery Plus category and the CNN category. They're run by JB Perrette, who's a name you're going to be hearing a lot of in the coming months. And he answers directly to Zaslav. He's going to be in charge of these three groups as well as gaming. That means the Warner Brothers games or the WB Games division, which includes the Rocksteady developed Batman Arkham games. Really, that's that's the big thing they have these days. And what they're calling direct-to-consumer, which if I had to read between the lines, I'm guessing is print, and more specifically, DC Comics. But boy, if you read all these articles that have come out in this last week about this merger, there just is nothing in there about DC Comics, which is really saying something. I, I, I think what it's saying is that DC Comics at this point is... Is Nothing. If this storied and historic comic book publisher survives this merger, it'll be a shock. And that is just like heart wrenching to me. That's just tragic.
2: Yeah, and I want to be clear when, when we're saying this, we're not saying DC Comics has no value. That's That wouldn't pass the laugh test. We, we know that's not the case. What we're saying is, for whatever reason, Discovery doesn't seem to value it like the treasure trove that it is. Some enterprising operation is going to recognize an opportunity here. And frankly, it might be better for all of us if we actually have it lifted out of this place so that we can actually start telling some DC Comics stories that are good, that That would be nice, wouldn't it? But for right now, it seems like a purgatory of sorts. And we're all kind of waiting to see what happens next.
3: Yeah, absolutely. DC Comics went through a whole host of cutbacks less than two years ago. And you can expect that they're going to see more cutbacks again this time if they survive at all. And if they don't just get shuttered, which would just be uh, outrageous. But I'm not surprised what Warner Brothers Discovery is all about.
2: Hold on. You don't seriously think they would close DC
3: Comics. You're not saying that, right? I'd say they'd stop printing comics altogether. They have a they have the IP. We've talked about it, like oh, it's all about holding IP. How long did Viacom or Paramount CBS or Paramount, as they're called now, hold on to Star Trek without putting out an, a new Star Trek movie or a new Star Trek series until they started putting stuff out again on their quote unquote Star Trek network? Yes. Yeah
2: that's an entirely different story though. We're, we're, we're talking about one of the two most storied comic book franchises. They're not going to shut it down. They, they might sell it off for parts. They might stop printing physical copies of comics. Even I think that's unlikely, but you know, let's allow for that possibility too. But no DC comics isn't going away because there's too much money in it. It's just one of those things. It's not going to be a priority because again, we, keep hitting this chord because it's the one that matters. They don't care about story. They care about anything that is cheap content creation.
3: I mean, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling out that they stop making original stories and that every once in a while they just roll out The Flash or Aquaman for a movie or a TV series or Peacemaker for a series on HBO Max. But the the days of original comic book art, either in print or on digital, is pretty much gone except for like, I don't know, random one shot graphic novels that you can buy on, uh, on your Amazon Kindle. I am not
2: ruling that out at all. All right, well, let's take a straw. Then kim tim what do you guys think is is that a viable possibility or do you think dc comics will continue in some form
0: i believe it will continue in some form it may not be the way it looks today but i don't foresee that being shuttered there's too many stories to be told it's too valuable I, i don't i just don't see that as very likely
1: yeah and they'll they'll always be the physical media that that's something that will never will never go away
2: all right. So Raul has finally found a hot take <laughs> that is too hot for the rest of us. Oh yeah.
3: That was, I, that was out there. You're, you're canceled. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I just don't see that there's a lot
3: of profit in the monthly or even bi-monthly printing of comic books. I just, just don't know if, if that's really going to happen, but you know, if, if that continues to happen, uh, I, I'd love it. I was always more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. I hope they continue to exist. But what we're saying here is that Warner brothers discovery merged to produce more cable and streaming content. And now this company run by David Zaslav finds itself with what? A video game publisher and a comic book company. What are we supposed to do with this? It is not at all in their plan. And they're going to need to find a place for both these things, both the WB Games division, which, mind you, at tried to sell before this merger happened, and this DC Comics, which whenever they want to save a little money, it's the first place they go. They cut DC Comics. So moving back to the cable and streaming business, what we have here are these three different divisions, one of which is going to be run by Kathleen Finch, who ran Discovery's quote-unquote lifestyle brands. And I think just by putting that word out, you all know exactly what that means. She'll report directly to Perrette and she'll be in charge of the traditional Discovery channels, most of the inherited Warner Brothers channels like TNT, TBS, and Cartoon Network, but not all of them. What's really weird is that Casey Bloys, who is one of the few, people to survive the merger from uh, the old Warner Brothers, is moving up to take over HBO, HBO Max, and it's also inheriting Chip and Joanna Gaines' Magnolia Network. So that one's actually moving out from underneath Kathleen Finch and into the HBO, HBO Max branch. That's weird. I'm not entirely sure what's going on there.
2: I mean, let's be honest. If you're sitting in a conference room and you have people giving you a lecture right now and they're telling you this is what the company is about to do, in your mind's eye, you're already on LinkedIn and you're already thinking whether or not your resume is up to date because you know you're on the (laughs) Titanic and the icebergs are in the rearview mirror. You're getting the hell off the ship.
3: Well, yeah, sure. I mean, Chip and Joanna Gaines are, I uh, I think they own like 50% of this Magnolia Network. So they get a lot of say in the company. And when they get presented with the option, do you want to stay underneath the lifestyle brand, which let's call it for what it is. Magnolia Network is a lifestyle channel. Do you want to stay underneath the lifestyle brand or do you want to go shack up with HBO? Who would say no to shacking up with HBO? So the fact that Blois gets to keep HBO and inherits Magnolia Network, I I mean that says something about what chip and joanna Gaines see about the future of this company but it's also a really weird pairing then the the last vertical here is cnn that's where late night tv producer chris licht gets to keep the job that he got when cnn fired jeff zucker and that's going to exist at an entirely separate unit separate from the lifestyle channels and from hbo hbo max
2: um, yeah I and mean, we should call that for what it is he was no matter what anybody says he was- was the first hire of the new organization. So he was always going to keep the job because he was handpicked by Malone, which means by Zaslov, to do this gig. It's not a bad hire
3: either. He He's very good at his job. Now, is he, I mean, having come out of the late night industry, is he the right guy to run CNN? Well, then again, you look at who ran CNN before him. It was Jeff Zucker who came out of NBC and the NBC Morning News stuff. And you wonder, I guess anybody can run CNN at that point. What's he going to turn CNN into is a question. And is he, is he going to be another yes man for John Malone who really wants CNN to be hard news? I suppose- Being the new guy on the block, he's probably going to be uh, very deferential to his boss. Ultimately, my biggest takeaway from all of this is that the person in charge of the Discovery Lifestyle Brands is now also in charge of Rick and Morty. So I don't know what to make of that. You mean the most popular show on Hulu? Unless there's a new season of Handmaid's Tale? (laughs) I need to check to see who actually produces Rick and Morty. I wonder if it's going to jump.
2: And I think that's actually, you know, you're saying is a joke, but that's the reality here. There's a lot of these properties and you kind of find yourself thinking if they needed money in a pinch, would they sell some of this stuff to somebody? I mean, do they have ideas on how to monetize it? Because I have such a low opinion for them. I mean, I'm telling you, if there is one good show that gets uh, greenlit from now till the end of the year, that's going to be one more than I expect under this monstrosity. It is that bad.
3: Yeah, I imagine it's probably going to take some time for all of this to shake out. HBO's probably got a lot of shows in the pipe already. It's probably going to be easily nine to 12 months before we start seeing the real consequences. Will we start seeing less original programming? One of the uh, biggest concerns here is that we were always counting on TBS, TNT, Cartoon Network to feed the HBO Max beast. A lot of that programming made its way onto HBO Max. The uh, Teen Titans cartoons is just one easy go-to example. Those shows were on HBO Max. Now that they are essentially under different leadership, will these shows from TBS, TNT, and Cartoon Network still go onto HBO Max, or are they going go to go onto, God forbid, Discovery
2: Plus? Are you still thinking of them in terms of two different subscription services? Because in my mind's eye, I already think of it as one merged entity. So I, I feel like that happens like by the end of the summer. Do, do you not think it'll happen that quickly? I don't know if it can happen
3: that quickly simply because of technological hurdles. There are concerns. HBO has really only just started producing a very reliable streaming platform. The Discovery Plus platform has never been reliable. And just moving content over from one platform to another isn't all that easy. It's not that turnkey. But if you look at the way these three verticals are set up, you have your HBO, HBO Max vertical, that's a streaming platform. You have your Discovery, Discovery Plus platform, that's a streaming service. And you have CNN, which has CNN Plus, that's a streaming service. They are literally split up. by streaming service. And to suggest that they're all then going to merge into a single streaming service is to suggest that these three different executives are going to be all playing together happily in in one single sandbox. And that doesn't happen in Hollywood.
2: I mean, that's why we wound up with Kareem Daniel right there is we had one person in charge of all purse strings and it it has proven effective for Disney. So it's not Look, this all comes down to the fact that whether you believe there's noble intentions here or whether you believe this is money grabbing, I'm firmly in the money grab camp. And on top of that, I also believe that when push comes to shove, as soon as subscriber numbers flatline, that's when the mergers are going to start with the streaming services. And uh, I mean, Discovery Channel at 22 million was already pushing its upper boundaries. That's why I think this will happen quicker. And as for whether it'll go well, I don't care about that. If they cared about that, Peacock would have fixed its issues a long time ago as long long as the check's clear, everybody's fine. In our rapid fire this
3: week, Peacock is putting on their big boy pants and hiring some capable people. We talked about this last week. Peacock is just stagnating. They hired Kelly Campbell from Hulu months ago as their president. But then what? Nothing seems to have really changed. If anything, things have gotten worse. But now they're bringing on some more executives, having hired Shannon Willett from Netflix and Brian Henderson from Hulu as their chief marketing officer and executive vice president of programming, respectively. Now? Now will something change at Peacock? That was rhetorical. No, nothing's going to change that peacock. <laughs>
2: It just seems like now they have other people to blame when it doesn't go well. But uh, (laughs) I will say this. Those are two really good hires. And Campbell herself was an exceptional hire. That was an example of they figured out somebody was unhappy. They made them an offer. And it got Disney completely off guard that she was like, I'm giving my notice and I'd like to be gone tomorrow. Disney did not realize how disgruntled she was until she was already out the door with her bags packed. These could be similar situations. Situations. And once you start getting the right people in, good things start to happen. And we have seen that with Jason Tyler. We're We're going to keep banging this drum. If you go back and listen to the earliest days of this podcast, we were talking about what a debacle in every way HBO Max was. Now we're talking about a secure service with a strong slate of content. I rule nothing out for Peacock if they have the right person in place and if they start making good decisions. And based on these hires, I'm a little more optimistic than I was last week, aren't you? I'm not going
3: to rule anything out, but it took them a very long time. Kelly Campbell's been president for a while now. And only now did they announce these additional hires who now need to be onboarded and need to make their own decisions and make their own changes. This is in an era of overnight change in the industry. This is moving at a glacial pace. There are some people at, NBC Universal and at Peacock who are still existing in a yesterday paradigm and they need to move into a today paradigm, they are hurting themselves by moving so slowly.
2: And that's the obvious downside of being a subsidiary of a major conglomerate like Comcast. You are not the first one eating at the dinner table. You are, what's the term that Roman Reigns uses, Tim? The head of the table or the whatever? Head, the,
1: head, the head of the table? Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're not at the head of the table. You're number two or lower on the list. That's not where you want to be so none of this is really that surprising they've had to wait until comcast says all right we'll give you some money and now that they have it they're making good decisions but the comcast always holding the purse strings is always going to be an issue
0: and in news that is sure to excite someone the reality competition show dancing with the stars will be moving from abc to disney plus david tell
2: us why this is important so if you have watched five minutes of Dancing with the Stars over the course of your lifetime, you're probably three and a half to four minutes ahead of me. That's the reality of it. But I'm aware of the fact that this show has been going on for 30 seasons, and it is something of phenomenon. And obviously, many shows are in ratings decline, especially the ones that have been going for a long time. However, they have a core audience that is extremely loyal. Disney has decided they're going to try something. And we should, when we talk about Dancing with the Stars, we should say this is a trial run of something new. The next two seasons are going to air live on Disney+, Plus, which means suddenly, let's say, a million people are going to be live streaming an episode of a reality show as it airs, which has never been done before on a streaming service. It is a rerun-focused industry or an industry where the episodes are already recorded, so, you know, you can catch up whenever you want. This is going to be something entirely different, and so it is going to to effectively test whether or not Disney Plus can actually handle a million or more simultaneous users and Raul, I know you've got thoughts on this, but let's go ahead and tie a different thing together. Isn't this something they would do if, say, they were trying to entice the NFL to sell them Sunday tickets? I suppose
3: throwing Dancing with the Stars to the Lions as a kind of a test bed is an interesting approach. I'm not ruling that out. Better that they fall flat on a product they own than on, say, a football game where the NFL would be very upset if Monday Night Football crashed on them. So so, yeah, this, this makes a lot of sense. Are we going to be seeing the same kind of numbers as an actual football game? I don't know, but forcing people to watch all of them at the same time, because it's live. So you can all call in or vote online is a pretty clever approach. And it's a really interesting way of boosting those uh, streaming ratings. I mean, we can have millions and millions of people watching Squid Game over the period of a month or two, but when everybody has to watch Dancing with the Stars in one night, that's going to give you a whole lot of minutes watching in one single day.
1: The show is still popular. Like as recently as 2017, the show was still getting averaging 10 million viewers a week. Uh, the most recent season in September to November last year actually dropped. It's, it's down to about four to five million per episode. But that's still a lot of
3: eyeballs on a streaming service. A lot of it has to do with the viral nature of the show. It's it's almost more about the clips you watch on social media the following day than on the show itself. Mm-hmm. And and they also go for like the uh, the buzzy uh, celebrities they get very high caliber celebrities compared to say i don't know celebrity big brother um <laughs> so yeah they, i mean there are some there's some names you'd be shocked to see on this show and the fact that they are there week after week dancing and then you get to talk about them uh, the following day on twitter or get to see clips of them on tiktok this show's got legs for for years to come
2: i also think it's important to add that they would just went ahead and doubled down and said it's going to be for two seasons, which shows that they're saying this is a commitment. We're, we're not going to go back on this. The next year of this series, you're going to find on Disney+. And I can tell you right now, for all the negative things we're saying, David Zaslav of all people is paying very careful attention to this because you're talking about Chip and Joanna Gaines and this other stuff. Imagine if Discovery could start doing these live streams for these products and special events. That would be the cheapest way for them to create content and that's what they're looking for.
3: Oh, yeah. No. Compared to, um, say, another season of The Flight Attendant on HBO Max, content like this costs nothing at all to make and gives you all kinds of awareness and buzz. So, yeah, absolutely. If Discovery is wanting to pivot towards more reality content and, and towards less of the high quality, high caliber scripted content that you've been seeing on HBO Max, this is how they're going to do it.
0: Okay, Tim. Before we talk about the ratings, should we discuss
3: a little bit about the box office? Kim, son- Kim sounds apologetic. There, it, yeah, is, it, yeah, yeah. is yeah, it that bad, guys? Do, do we really want to talk about Morbius?
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I sound apologetic. <laughs> I've got,
3: I've got the, I've got a whole narrative in my head about how if. Sony thinks they're just going to make a studio off of Spider-Man properties. Morbius is the reason why that's a very bad idea.
2: <laughs> yes, yes that, that,
3: that proof of concept just, just failed hard.
2: Yes. <laughs> Let me just say it like this. I would literally make money if I went and saw Morbius and reviewed it. Like people would pay me to do that. And I've still chosen not to go. That's how bad we're talking. So. <laughs> uh, me- meanwhile,
1: this weekend. So, you know, one of the last movies that came, Came out in theaters before the pandemic. Now has a sequel because Sonic Two is this is gonna be this weekend's <laughs> yes, right. top top movie. Uh and it somehow actually made six million on on Thursday. So Oh Lord. It's pretty good. But yeah, so it's a bit of a mess right now. Yes, Mor- Morbius premiered last weekend to thirty nine million dollars. Uh yes, derailing. Any hopes of the the Spider Man studio, essentially. <laughs> So he has milked that well as far as they can. They don't, people only care about the Spider-Man movies now,
2: folks. This is an important lesson for you too. Remember, if you're ever in a situation with vampires, hedgehogs beat vampires. Now you know. Yes, yes, they do. And I'm actually
1: looking. I assume it's expanding, but everyone who's seen it just raves about everything everywhere all at once. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that expands and does actually well because i know nothing about other than everyone who's seen it has said it's like one of the greatest things they have ever seen it's michelle yo that's all you need to know yeah so okay so so ratings yes no yes yes please okay because you asked nicely and and i'm back because tim's got a week and he forgets how it works i I list i listened to that last week Roel, what have you done to my baby i'm so sorry So we have, yes, the, the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, March 7th to Sunday, March 13th, 2022. And the top show of the week, the top original series is The Last Kingdom, but over 1.4 billion minutes for 46 episodes. We we screwed up, Oops. didn't we?
3: <laughs> this show does yeah. not exist.
0: <laughs> no, there's no such show as this. <laughs>
3: We did not mention the new season of this show when it was premiered on Netflix. I guess about five weeks ago, we missed that. I'm sorry. We
0: missed it, and it wasn't in there. Like this was coming this week either. Yeah. So that I mean, just this is a bizarre. BBC show
1: that I guess then went to Netflix, and maybe yes. that's why. And we had no idea it, would, it was as popular as it was. <sighs>
2: I don't this know. This is the next stage of Netflix's social experiment. Now they're not even going to advertise things. They're just going to suggest them when they pull up the app and see if it matters. And obviously, based on this result, it doesn't matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, actually, the previous season was April 2020.
1: So, I think it's another thing that benefited from the early days of the pandemic, and we were all trapped in our homes and had nothing to do except watch Netflix. So, maybe that's that, maybe. that's what happened. Yeah, you got me. But yeah, this one, yeah, our bad because we didn't even mention it on, on what to do. Sometimes I have to go and be like, did we want to talk about this show? Oh, yeah, yeah, clearly, no, we, we did. And then clearly this one, we
0: didn't have to this, anyway. Right. So, yeah, there
1: you yeah. go. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, actually, right behind it in second is Pieces of Her. That was here last week, just over 1.4 billion minutes, but right behind The Last Kingdom.
3: This is that Tony Collette show. This Uh, is very surprising for something that's as, I mean, it's deeply dramatic. This looks, yeah, yeah, this looks very dark too. Yeah. Yeah. This is
0: not like squid game fun grim. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Not, not that you get why it's as, as why it's going for what it, what it's going for. Yeah. That's, that's a really big number and a, a big jump. Probably this is the first full week of its availability. So probably we'll, we'll fall off from here, but still a very solid performance. Uh, Inventing Anna is down to a third, eight hundred twelve million minutes for its nine episodes. Still fine. It's always interesting to watch how the shows just slowly break out, just you know, slowly run their run their course and slide down the list and stay here for way longer than we anticipate them to. But we haven't quite figured out that uh that, that pattern or 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 model yet because they, it's it's not exactly entirely predictable as we'll we'll see in a bit. And fourth is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel from Amazon, seven hundred two million minutes
3: for its thirty four episodes. This was the finish of the season? Yeah, I believe these were the last two episodes as Amazon was releasing them two episodes at a time. The release date was the 11th. The
1: 11th, okay. And I'm going to say we won't see the jump that we see... From, from, from shows with when they come out, people will tend to binge watch the entire season when the finale drops rather than like right after. So this this was the, the final where episodes were only available for three days, but I think it'll start its slide down the list over the next couple of weeks from from here. This might be its peak. Fifth, Love is Blind. Also from uh, Back to Netflix. They're in 689 million minutes now for its 25 episodes. Sixth, Worst Roommate Ever. 556 million minutes for five episodes actually that's that's pretty good i know it was a little higher last week i know we talked about that when
0: and you talked about last week i
1: don't recall what it exactly is about though
0: it's about like people who are roommates with or live oh with and they're and they're not like it, it's just...
1: not it's, it's not played for laughs they are a- no no they're they like really literally terrible 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 people
3: oh okay yes. oh boy mm-hmm. okay <laughs> what is wrong with you people oh my god okay. yeah. <laughs> It's it's produced by Blumhouse and it's about true crime ish uh, reality programming.
1: Uh, seventh here is Ozark still four hundred sixty four million minutes. Uh, we will get the second half of the final season at the end of this month, but it'll be some time before it hits the ratings. So probably just in time for it to fall off, and then it will return with those new episodes. Uh, something new in eighth upload. This is actually from Amazon four hundred forty one million minutes for seventeen episodes. Yeah, the complete uh, second season was dropped on uh, that Friday, the 11th. Yep. Like, yep. So that's actually just a three day number. Seven more episodes hit on on the 11th, as you just said. So, yeah, we, that might take a jump next next week. Uh, you guys I think when it premiered, you guys said you didn't like it. Right. Uh, or, or it wasn't quite Kim well-
2: liked it. I did. I Yes. OK, that, that is correct.
1: OK, I see. In ninth, Vikings Valhalla, 412 million minutes. That t- actually took a big, big tumble from, from last week after the first full week of its uh, availability for the series. And 10th, uh, actually, Amazon getting three shows on the original chart this week with uh, Reacher still here, 337 million minutes for their, probably their, one of their biggest hits in, in some time. Okay, now the reason we're all here, because our long national nightmare is finally over. The top movie is no longer in Kanto, believe it or not. No. I know. i now... away a single tear. Yes, and now it is turning red <laughs> with 1.7 <Sorry>, 7- <laughs> yeah. 1.7 billion minutes watched. And that's just a 3 that, Disney? Yeah. You suck Disney. Go Disney. Yeah, Disney. That's just a 3 day number, guys. Woohoo. So yeah, that one could explode next next week, I think.
0: That's awesome. It's a wonderful, delightful little movie, so it deserves this spot just as Encanto did. Yeah, I mean,
1: hopefully it doesn't you know dominate the list for for three months like Encanto like did. <laughs> I'm sure Encanto. We, we, we all get sick of seeing we all get sick of seeing it. Yeah, I'm sure that will eventually work its way back back to the to the top. But yeah, hey, uh, good to see Disney just absolutely crushing it with uh, the movies in 2022. Because mm-hmm. Free Guys is on, is there as well. That one did, did all right. And yeah, there. Uh, this is I mean, this Pixar. You can't go wrong with with Pixar. They've they've not missed. Uh, meanwhile something else new in second and that's also not in condo this is the adam project but over 1.3 billion minutes
3: the um uh, ryan reynolds, reynolds family action movie right family action time travel
1: yeah something or other yes
0: so ryan reynolds owns the streaming charts this week yeah he does sort of, kind of. Sort of yeah somewhat meanwhile here in third is in Kanto.
1: So down to 783 million minutes watched, which on any other week would actually be far and away the top movie if we didn't have two big new releases. So that's the only reason it's it's down to to third is because we had two big premieres on the 11th.
2: I will say that I'm pretty sure that either in this rating or immediately after it, they added the sing-along. So next week's number will either see more depreciation or it'll, uh, it'll see a jump depending on whether or not this actually reflects the sing-along total. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was looking forward to seeing that have an effect. And we talked about it around the time, about a month ago, when Turning Red cake came out. We weren't quite sure what date that was getting added, but I, there doesn't appear to be any effect here. But I imagine by by next week, we will see if there's any bump in Encanto's number.
2: Although thinking out loud, it's also possible that they're just not going to include it and are grading it as its own thing. Yeah, that would,
1: that would be interesting if they did, if they did count it separately, yeah. Yeah, do we get like two Encantos on the list next week? Is there like, say, the Frozen sing-along? Is that available as a separate
3: thing on on Disney Plus, do you recall? When I search for sing-along in Disney Plus, I find the Encanto sing-along, but I do not see the Frozen or Frozen 2 sing-alongs. Okay, so they, right. maybe they didn't actually put those
1: on on Disney Plus. Okay.
2: At this moment, the only two sing-alongs available are "Encanto" and the Disney Holiday Sing Along, which was one of the pandemic shows they did.
1: Oh, okay. So fourth and fifth is "Trek" and "Trek Two. Those were here last week. Three hundred forty-one million minutes watched for "Shrek." Three hundred sixteen million minutes watched for "Shrek Two. Um, hey, Raul, I did the I did the homework. I uh, guess mm-hmm. what returned to Netflix at the start of March was it Shrek? Actually, it was the movie in ninth Coach Carter. But, um, <laughs> Uh, also, no. Also, the Shrek movies. Oh, <laughs> yes. oh, okay. So, yeah. oh, that's a weight off my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's that's why it's here. Much, much like Despicable Me uh, last month. For some reason. Trek and Trek Two came back to Netflix on March first. I don't know where they were before because they are still also on Hulu. Uh, but it's just very, very odd this whole licensing nightmare that is some of these these properties that are not not Disney really
3: because what what is this? this? These were these are DreamWorks these movies. Are DreamWorks, right? DreamWorks yeah. Animation specifically. So what you're saying that is that these DreamWorks Animation movies, which belong to NBC Universal, are not on Peacock, but they are on Hulu and Netflix currently. Yes.
1: Okay. I haven't checked Peacock, but yeah, you can watch them both on Hulu and and, and Netflix right now. Yeah, I
3: I give up. That's okay, Tim. No one checks Peacock. Okay. Yes, I know.
2: So it's a good news, bad news thing. Shrek is not available on Peacock, but they do point out that here are some other Peacock favorites you might enjoy instead, like Parks and Rec, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, Days of Our Lives, and Step Brothers. So you find the connected tissue there. Oh, those are good alternates, yeah.
1: yeah. Shrek, SVU, yeah, I can see the similarities.
0: Here, Susie, let's watch SVU instead. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay, so in sixth, uh, Free Guy still here, credited to Disney Plus, 263 million minutes, though we know it's also on HBO Max. Seventh, the Medea Homecoming, 256 million minutes. That's been here a while. And eighth, we have The Weekend Away, 220 million minutes. It was here last week because it came out on the third. So this was actually the first full week of, of its availability. Coach Carter, as I mentioned, is in ninth. Yes, this is the 2005 movie with Samuel L. Jackson as the titular Coach Carter. I, I forgot about it, too, until it returned to the list. Uh, and 10th, uh, also from Disney Plus, here's West Side Story, down to 156 million minutes. Not really a stellar performance for this one, just either in the box office or on streaming, really, right?
2: Right. And this is at a time when it was up for an Academy Award and it Mm -hmm. eventually did win for Best Supporting Actress. So you'd think that there would have been some steam coming off of it, but that didn't happen. To me, the more interesting story here is the fact that that's two of the dual Disney Plus slash HBO Max releases that made the top 10 this week. So obviously Disney's decision to keep it on their own as well has proven insightful.
1: Yeah, we're a few weeks away from actually seeing the Oscar bump because I feel like the nominations don't really do much, but the wins do. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if, you know, say CODA has an impact. But yeah, I, I... I think we have, we have not seen that effect in the ratings even go, going back to, to last year. So I'm not really expecting it only from you know the winners of the major major categories to be honest.
2: Well it's interesting in that, you know, when we were covering box office, there was that phenomenon where Oh yeah, there absolutely like, there was the awards yeah. Yeah. nominations came out. Yeah. And then we know from headlines after Coda won that Apple Plus said that like viewership for it just soared. I mean, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I would think that there is some, it's just we we don't have enough data to quantify how much. Uh, I'm surprised that you're thinking that there's not much because it just seems to me like there'd be some titles people would be like, yeah, well, if it got a best picture or not, I should go ahead and watch it.
1: Yeah, maybe it's just because of what had won last year, which was Nomadland was not exactly a major, like say, commercial title. I think that's, maybe that's part point. of it, and, and and also like there there was no effect from like we've talked we, about box office. There was an effect from getting a nomination, and then a bump from a win if the movie wasn't excessively old and everyone had seen it already. But we really have not seen much of that from from streaming from any of the award winners. I do think, yeah, it, it is not that hard to make the movies chart these days in the bottom half of the list because after the first couple movies, it does fall off. Just 156 million minutes is West Side Story this week, so I definitely do think we will see Coda, but not like for months, maybe for you know a week or to post Oscar win, which is still a couple weeks out to get those ratings. So in Acquired, it is 10 shows we've seen before. But the most interesting thing is actually the top show, because this is a show we've seen before, but not in some time. It is Good Girls, 790 million minutes watched for 44 episodes. The fourth and final season had arrived on on Netflix. Again, this one's produced by NBC
3: Universal. And they also can't. And also, like I said, the fourth and final season, this show has been canceled. If they had... To do it again, I'm sure they would have uh, retained the distribution rights on this and, and run it on Peacock. But back in the day, that wasn't really a factor. And so, of course, they licensed out the second run episodes to Netflix. And of course, Netflix gets all the viewership for it.
2: And this is the other show we've seen in the past have that many manifest effect where Good Girls was not well watched when it aired on NBC. But when people could binge the episodes on Netflix, it did shoot to the top once before, if not twice. So this isn't shocking. But, you know, if you're an NBC executive and you can't get ratings out of this, you just have to wonder, are you in the right line of work?
1: Yeah, for some reason it arrived on the 7th, so it had the entire week. So maybe it won't be here next week, but it's just really interesting for it to show up because this has happened before when the previous season arrived. It had impressive viewership on, on Netflix and then fell off. And then the fourth season was through the middle of last year and... Now it's back on Netflix and people are watching it way more than they did on TV. It's Very fascinating. And yeah, uh, otherwise a bunch of shows we've seen before. Bluey's still here in in ninth, not 12, oh, oh. minutes. Yes.
2: Bluey and Mickey Mouse Club have not been trending at all for the last three weeks. So you can tell that not hmm. only is school back in session. Oh yeah. But. Parents don't have to just second screen their kids all the time now and it is having effect. Or they're just all watching Encanto in instead, which I really legitimately can't rule out. Or, or by this point, turning red. That's right. <laughs> Watch a movie, kid. They're at longer. Least at least it's something different. <laughs> yes. Or
0: SBU. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, yes.
2: Okay. And Tim. I don't want to bring you down or anything, but I have to warn you that when we pulled up Netflix earlier, it said Coco Melon new episodes. We knew they were coming. We
0: we covered it in what's yeah, new, yeah, so com- we knew.
2: Couple weeks before it hits
1: the ratings, but yeah, it's it's gonna be a monster again. Oh boy. Sorry, parents.
2: <laughs> all right. Back to you, Cam. Can we all agree that Tim can never take the week off from ratings again?
0: <laughs> we can agree. Aww. In- <laughs> Aww. In our green lights and cancellations this week, fallout from the Academy Awards occurred as an upcoming Will Smith biopic may be shelved as both Netflix and Apple TV Plus have backed out of a bidding war.
2: This is turning into the lamest controversy ever. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to understate what happened, but <laughs> I mean, we've watched... <laughs> Kevin Spacey and Harvey, Mm. you know, I don't even want to say the guy's name. We've watched them get much more preferential treatment after doing 1,000 times worse things. This is just something where it became a black eye publicly. So we're in the shame thing now. where We're ringing the bell at Will Smith and saying shame, shame, shame.
0: Meanwhile, Lock and Key is going to be sticking to the three seasons and doubt paradigm as Netflix will be ending the series after season three.
3: I feel even if it had been a good series, and at this point, that's kind of tenuous. I think three seasons was about right. It was a finite narrative and it needed to end. Could it have gone maybe four or five seasons? Maybe I think, for instance, Stranger Things, which is really good, Mm -hmm. doesn't need to have gone five seasons, but that's what's going to happen there. Lock and Key, I think, found its right length with three seasons.
2: There are I mean, only to- so many doors to unlock. Mm.
0: Yeah, to be fair, the the book is a limited series, too. It wasn't ongoing forever. So it does have a natural endpoint. HBO Max has a Sherlock Holmes series in the works that is going to be off from the Robert Downey Jr. films he'll be producing.
3: This is interesting. I'd like to see where they take this. Uh, HBO Max has been doing some pretty quality programming mm-hmm. all along. And if they can find the right characters to focus on, because I assume I assume it's not going to be focusing on Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes. This, you know, Victorian crime
2: theme series. Uh, I'm always up for that. Yeah. What, what Netflix should do is they should make a show about the Irregulars, only they should make it like gothic with some supernatural elements. I'm 100% confident <laughs> that show would do. It's been canceled. I'm, I'm just going to shut up. Never, Never mind. mind. Seriously, though, we love both Sherlock Holmes movies. I mean, we used to watch them a lot, didn't we, Kim? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I love Robert Downey junior <laughs> So I'm here for this. And hey, while you're looking at Robert Downey Jr. films that could become TV shows, there was one he did right before Iron Man that got him the Iron Man gig. And I'd mm-hmm. recommend it. Yes, indeed. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, everybody. And I mean, who wouldn't want to be sitting home on a Friday night and go, what do you want to watch? How about kiss, kiss, bang, bang?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, Apple TV Plus has renewed the critically acclaimed Severance for a second season.
3: If anybody could tell me what the series is about, I'd really appreciate it. This, <laughs> this is this show is so nebulous. I mean, I get the the premise, but I I really it feels
2: impenetrable to me.
0: I think it's something you just have to watch, and it sounds like it had a, a shocking ending.
2: Hmm. I mean, they cast Adam Scott in it, so it had a shocking beginning, too, for my money.
0: I know. I'm sorry. You Uh. know, but that's the case. Poor Adam Scott. He's from the bad place. We all know. And... Amazon has locked up distribution of the Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy Shotgun Wedding. She's just going to be in wedding movies from now
2: on, isn't she? That's why this story busted me up so much. They saw <laughs> that even Peacock <laughs> could have a hit with the Jennifer Lopez romantic comedy. So like, we'll take
3: it. This was one of the ones that was going to have Army Hammer in it. And then Josh oh, Duhamel came in at the last oh, minute uh, to replace him. Oh, oh no, It's good. It's got Josh Duhamel in
2: Question I'm, one. Have you ever eaten anyone? Have you ever experienced an interest (laughs) in meeting anyone? You're hired. Mm
0: -hmm. As always, we close out the show with what's been keeping us busy over the past week. And this week, I didn't have the opportunity to watch or listen to or read many things. So I'm going to go into the vaults with The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr., which is a show that I dearly love and is now playing for free on Tubi. This was one of the early Fox Network shows, and I was actually a big early Fox Network watcher. It sadly only lasted one season, but starred one of my very favorite actors, Bruce Campbell. It's a Western with a steampunk feel. And was produced by the late Jeffrey Bohm along with his partner Carlton Cuse, who is known for his work on Lost and also Lock and Key. And that is Carlton Cuse, who's known for his work on those shows. And the cast was remarkable, including John Aston of the Adams family, who played a very fun inventor, Kelly Rutherford as Dixie Cousins, Christian Clemenson as Socrates Poole, and the late Julius Carey as Lord Bowler, a bounty hunter who competes with Briscoe, who is also
3: a bounty hunter.
0: And Billy Drago is an amazing villain. Watch it. It's one season. You can get through it pretty easily.
3: So the adventures of Briscoe County. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I'll have to look into this. Raul, how about you? So, one of my great comforts during the pandemic was a show whose episodes I watched regularly on YouTube. It was a program called Time Team, where a group of historians and archaeologists visited a site, usually in the UK, and performed an excavation over three days. I was familiar with the program from a spinoff that aired on PBS for a couple of seasons many years ago, but never got to the original until the pandemic. It lasted 20 seasons in the UK from 1994 to 2014 and has hundreds of episodes it's hosted by tony robinson whose americans probably know best as baldrick in, yeah. some beans <laughs> well yeah that's how we all know him baldrick <laughs> in the blackadder series but is actually renowned for his work on historical programs as a presenter in the uk and has actually been knighted by the queen because of this work it was true comfort viewing. Well, clearly the popularity over the pandemic lit a fire under the producers as they started a Kickstarter campaign and Time Team is back with new original episodes on YouTube. This means everything is bigger. The production is more massive. The episodes are longer. Tony Robinson, unfortunately, isn't back, but he's getting a little along in his age. So I wouldn't begrudge him not wanting to be out in the field for three days during a production. But many of the old cast and crew have returned. It's great to see so many familiar faces. It was just really a joyful return. I watched the first three episodes, the first excavation on my trip a couple of weeks ago, and the second excavation is going live now on YouTube as we speak. I'm also going to do a quick shout out to uh, Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. Give me more. One episode was not enough. Oh, it's so good yes oh my god it was incredible although i'm very concerned and maybe relieved that we just haven't seen the superhero in costumes all that much this is really all about the acting at this point uh the costume does look heavily cgi'd so i hope as we see more it doesn't look as weird as i suspect it does you Um, haven't seen
0: the second episode yet
3: nope watching it after i uh get off the podcast all right then and I also watched uh, Death on a Nile, which I tried to watch on Hulu, but I really couldn't tolerate the ads. So I switched over to HBO Max. Yeah, I couldn't help it. Uh, like right in the middle of uh, the movie uh, without really any kind of pause, ads popped up. And that was just very off-putting, but I knew it was on HBO Max as well. So I switched over. Uh, and I really got to say, man, the true mystery here is who murdered the script. This was not a good movie. And it sat on the shelf for so long too. Wow. They could have reshot the whole movie. And <laughs> no, they figured, no, no, we've got a really good movie in the can right there. Just just let's put that one out.
0: Tim, how about you?
3: Uh nope,
1: I got I got nothing. Sorry. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so last weekend happened to be wrestlemania uh spread out over saturday and sunday and maybe it was the pain medication i was on but it was actually an enjoyable show both nights believe it or not i mean it was by no means a great show the company has major problems that we've mentioned numerous times but yet it. Didn't feel like it wasted my time. Saturday actually had two really good to great matches. And Sunday had uh, one very good match and one of the most ridiculous nonsense things I've ever watched that made me laugh way harder than I should have. And yes, that actually was the thing featuring Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> Believe it or not, they did a good job. I've heard with that nothing
0: show. but good things about that match. So yeah, it's yeah. so
1: stupid that you just can't help but enjoy it. That's that's what wrestling should be. Just just if you're going to be stupid about it, just go all out. And yeah, it was, it was Jackass, the wrestling match, to be honest. And Sami Zayn is, is a great character and he just went along with it. And he's even said, it's like, this is one of the matches I'm most proud of in my career, believe it or not. Um, You know, there's, there's some, questionable decisions and, and and choices like Pat McAfee is apparently one of the most popular people in the company and he's not a wrestler. He's very athletic, obviously because he was an NFL player. Yes, even though he's a punter. But, you know, he he had a very entertaining match and then there was a whole bunch of nonsense afterwards. The stone cold stuff is was worth it for the nostalgia kick. But yeah, it it was it, it was worth it. I was actually not mad that I, I watched WrestleMania even though I'm not that big a fan of the, what WWE's putting out right now, but they they had some some really good moments. So, yeah, good job WWE do do that more. And I'll complain about you you less. Also, as we're recording this on Friday night, the first Major League Baseball game on Apple TV Plus has been playing. And uh, I've just had it on on mute, which is not the best way to watch a baseball game sometimes. But I do just want to mention that after the top of the first inning, the very first ad was a 90-second ad for Coda. You know, the, the movie that won Best Picture, which you can actually watch on Apple TV Plus. As as you can actually watch the Friday Night Games without a subscription, at least this one. I don't know if that's going to be a one-time thing or they're gonna continue it. That's kind of smart, that that whole cross-promotion thing. And now you see why the streaming services are going after live sports. Oh, and they put up someone's walk-up song on screen, which you know you can buy on Apple Music or stream on Apple Music or buy on iTunes. And I assume if ah, I was watching it, if I was watching it on my phone, I assume I could probably click something and it would just open it up in, in another in the other yeah. app. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's amazing. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to see what they, what they do with that. And just the, yeah, the integration, especially like they're, you know, they're, they're having some stats on the screen, like, you know, uh, probability of, you know, reaching base and, or making out or whatever. And I think, you know, Amazon is, you know, going to be the, is the king of that with their, with their uh, stuff. But yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the future of sports right here. And we're it's going to be a big sea change in multiple sports over the next, next couple of years. And one last thing, and if I can just say, yeah, I, I wasn't here last week because I was having a major procedure done. It wasn't immediately life-threatening, but it was very important. Get your skin checked, people. That's that's all I'll say. Um, I'm doing all right since then, and I really do thank everyone for their love and support. It means more than I can put into words right now. So, yes, thank you. You guys are all great.
2: You are loved, and we do support you because you're incredible. Yeah, we love you, Aww, Tim. Thanks, we guys. love you. All right, David, how about you? So first of all, if Tim's going to talk about baseball, then by God, I am going to talk about my World Series champion Atlanta Braves for at a moment. <laughs> and not because of the fanboy stuff, which, you know, I'm certainly willing to do whenever you want to listen. But Charlie Morton is currently pitching in a game where he is ahead 7 nothing, And that is notable because he is pitching on April 8th. On October 26, 2021, Not that long ago, Charlie Morton broke his leg during a World Series game and has not been seen since then. But as a reminder, after he broke his leg, he was clocked at 96 miles an hour on multiple pitches afterward because that is his pain threshold. And now, less than six months later, he is currently dominating the Cincinnati Reds. He's not human, and it actually inspires me about what the human condition can do. The other thing I want to talk about here just briefly is that uh, I did have the opportunity to watch uh, Moonshot on HBO Max and I gotta say that's a film that should be in my wheelhouse but it just didn't quite get there for me however I do want to throw out that if you haven't been watching the Lakers show on HBO Max and Kim will back me up on this the third episode of this series which is based on true events by the way has a shocking twist Mm -hmm. even I, a huge sports lover and a fan of the Lakers in the 1980s, I had never heard this story. It, w- it had me Googling all night afterwards. And that is reason enough to make you want to watch. And, you know, you don't even need to watch the first two episodes if you want. Just that one. And then you will spend the rest of the time going, I cannot believe that's a real thing that happened. Because if it happened today, it would be the headline everywhere and the number one thing trending for the next month. It really would.
3: This is winning time. The rise of the lakers dynasty on HBO max yes it is yeah
0: it's definitely worth watching and not just for the the wild twist at the end of that third episode it it is it's funny and it's atmospheric and they're having a lot of fun with it so definitely give it a shot thank you for listening to streaming into the void please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week.